Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great episode and conversation to help you take your career in talent development to the next level. And that is what we are all about on this podcast, is helping you with your career success in talent development. We've been working on that since this podcast started in 2018, still going strong today. And I appreciate you listening and sharing with your colleagues and friends And our episode today is going to be all about creating awesome leaders. And I often talk with talent development professionals, and of course I do all the time, and one of the top conversations that comes up is how do we help our managers become better? How do we help our leaders become better? It's one of the top jobs of talent development, which is why this is going to be a great episode for you. Our guest today is Lila Bullingtown, who is an executive leadership coach who focuses on helping leaders make better decisions, guide their teams, and have more difficult conversations while also having more fun at work. Lila has been working closely with leaders for 20 plus years and has coached founders, VPs, and C-suite executives in companies all over the world. Lila is also the creator of the online training and coaching platform, awesomeleader.com, which allows companies to train their managers 15 minutes at a time with videos, exercises, and weekly coaching calls, keeping them in cohorts, which is something we discuss in this interview. I ask Lila to break down her philosophy on learning and development and her experience in L&D, talk about the great resignation and what's going on in the workplace. We talk about how work is changing from the pandemic and what leaders need to do to be successful today, as well as where leader fear comes from and how to equip our leaders to be more successful in the workplace today. And Lila also talks about the importance of cohort-based learning and why she has set up her programs the way she does. I think this is going to be useful if you get involved in leadership development of any kind. I also want to mention that Lila is a member of the Talent Development Think Tank community, which is the number one place 
for learning and development professionals to connect, learn, share, grow, and really support each other in our growth in talent development. And I love getting to know all of our members and showcasing them on this podcast, the great work that they're doing after I get to know them. And that's why I was excited to get Lila on the podcast to talk about leadership and what it means to be an awesome leader today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Lila Billingtown about creating awesome leaders. Enjoy. All right. I'm joined now by Lila Billingtown, who is an executive leadership coach and trainer. Lila, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Andy. It's uh, an honor to be here. So great to have you on. We've been getting to know each other over the last, I don't know, a few months since you joined the talent development think tank community and have dived into many of our calls, asking questions and contributing so much great experience. And I think you come from you know, such a great position in that you've worked in talent development, learning and development, you've done all the work that everybody's doing. And now you're kind of on the other side, providing leadership training and coaching and helping companies in so many different ways. And I'm excited to dive into the topics of leadership today. And then we'll talk about training and bite-sized learning, but let's start with a little bit of your background and, and how you got into this field and to where you are today. Yes. And so uh, it's, it, it always in the end sounds like it was organized in a very thoughtful way. Right. right. And then you actually, as I talk through it and I'll start with this is uh, I was going to be a college English professor. So um, I was going to get my PhD. I was on the, I got my master's. I got my, I was accepted into the PhD program down at the Claremont colleges. Right. I was going to be an English professor like my ones at Cal. And my parents said, take a year off. And the joke is that I'm still on my year off. And if I go back, they're not going <laughs> to, they're not going to pay for it if I go back. Right. And so, um, I really actually go back to that as, uh, the start of where I really am now, which is helping people, um, think about how to approach scenarios and how to tell stories and how to figure things out and how to actually speak to, uh, what's your truth and where you want to go. And so that, uh, I ended up where I am as a coach, having been that uh, that PhD student or on that track, and then a college English professor at community colleges, and then a technical writer and technical trainer. And then I went on to lead an L&D function. And then right before the last recession, I decided to go out on my own and start my own coaching business. Oh, that's awesome. And so when you were running learning and development, now having come out the way you were at, at CNUT, I believe, you know, what was your general philosophy on L&D and, and how did that serve you? Yes. And so that experience is one that gave me the insight and the thinking to really operate how I do now. And so philosophy, um, we had incredible backing from the leadership team, from the executive committee, from the top on, it was not lip service. Uh, there was active support. It wasn't just somebody coming to kick off a training program. It was somebody actually sitting with participants, the CEO or the, the executive team sitting and participating with participants. And then of course the budget to back things up. And so they really felt that that not only created an environment where people wanted to come work for us, but we were able to really actively develop and promote people from inside. And that's what we did as an organization. Cause at that time, you know, web point at 1.0 and, 2.0, we were growing uh, so quickly. And so that was a really key philosophy was it was not lip service. It was really active involvement by the executive team in so many different ways. Mm, interesting. And you were talking about web 1.0 and they're kind of a run up and then a crash. And then, you know, there were, there were better times after that for a while before the next recession, we find ourselves in an interesting time now where we're coming off of you know, a very challenging time going through the COVID pandemic and a lot of people worry about their jobs. And now we seem to be in kind of this 
renaissance and this, you know, war for talent, if you will, the great resignation, we hear about that happening and people looking around more opportunities than ever before. Well, coincidentally, I think Web3 is going on with cryptocurrency and NFTs and digital tokens and all kinds of crazy stuff that's going, that we won't get into. But there is this idea, I think, that companies need to do more now to attract and retain talent. They can't just provide a paycheck and there's so much more demand for flexibility and all these things. What are you seeing and hearing from leaders that you work with? So I'm seeing exactly that, Andy. And I actually think that this great resignation is, it's an opportunity for companies where who haven't been paying attention or aren't aware that people want different things in the work world, whereas some organizations have been listening to employees and actually reading some of the research from Gallup. Gallup is just has amazing body of research here to let people know, hey, in the past, this is what I really cared about, my paycheck. Now I care about career development. In the past, I cared about my manager. Now I care about my coach. And it's really easy for any of your listeners to go to Gallup and start looking at that employee engagement or well-being research. It's fascinating. And that is, um, I've seen clients who have been uh, thinking along that way for a good amount of time. And then clients who are like, okay, what do we actually need to thoughtfully retain people? And I feel as if they're also, which is fabulous, realizing that it's not throwing people to training or throwing training at people, yet really thinking what do they want and what are different ways in which they can learn. And of course, the pandemic has forced all of us to think about those things. Yeah, it's such an important question, right? Or taking a more consultative approach. What do people want? What do people care about? How do they want to work? And I think we we see a lot of companies handling things different ways right now. Some saying, hey, get back in the office. We're going to get back to the way we were doing things before. And people going, no, I don't, I don't know if I really want to. And then some companies taking a much more cautious, curious approach, asking people what they want, what they care about, trying to look into the future. Just as we're recording this, this morning, I noticed an article about how American Express is now going to start offering employees a month to work from wherever they want wow. uh, in the world, which is like, I, I see that as such a, this is where we're going, right? We're providing that flexibility. We want to get you back in the office, but we want to provide some flexibility as well. So you can kind of scratch that itch. Exactly, exactly. And I think uh, just as you were speaking there, it made me think of a book and an author that I spoke with in June, uh, Matthew Barson. He was one of the executives I worked with at CNET. And he was also, he's a former US ambassador to Great Britain and Sweden. And he wrote a book called The Power of Giving Away Power. And yeah. not only is it a fascinating read, but I'll just let your listeners think of that title there. I think part of where what organizations are struggling with is this sense of like, well, if we give people what they want, won't they want more? Won't they want something different? Mm -hmm. Where again, if you, there is such incredible ability that can be granted to you, if you start thinking about why am I holding on to this? Like, why am I holding on to power? Why is it that people have to come in to the office? Mm -hmm. Why is it that we have to work in this way? And not only I think is that a great resource for your listeners, but just to really think about why are we doing this? And so that's yeah. the question that the pandemic has forced a lot of us to do, which is like, why were we always coming into the office? Why were we always doing it this way? Yeah, it forces us to really rethink things. And I, I think a lot about, you know, how we entered that pandemic back in March of 2020. And there were so many companies that had a traditional approach that, you know, everyone must be in the office all the time. And it really came down to leaders who said, I don't trust my employees. If they're working from home, they're not really going to work. They're going to do other things. And now that we're 18, 19 months into this, we've seen productivity go up, right? Engagement go up for a lot of people. Like they're getting the job done and actually working too much. 
So yes. <laughs> it's, it's worth looking at this and one and thinking, okay, should we rethink the way that we work? Because the old model, maybe it worked then, but there are probably other ways to do things. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I was talking with a client just yesterday and we were joking that, you know, maybe it's actually time and I'm not advocating or saying this is the answer because we were joking, but maybe it's time that people actually go back to the office and get back on the freeways primarily so they, they're not having meetings at eight in the morning every day or yeah. six in the evening every day. But somehow this working at home will, and it's not as if executive leadership is saying, well, Andy, you're not commuting now. So like you can have these meetings this Work early more. and this late, but it's just the sense of like, well, I'm already here, meaning physically I'm already at my desk at yeah. home. So yeah. therefore I have to get more things done. So I think that actually, and I don't have the answer there, but that'll actually, that there, that kind of overworking or working too hard is something that maybe is the next part of this new work world that mm -hmm. we're in. I'm not a futurist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't consider myself that, but really thinking about, you know, how do we reframe expectations? Because I see a lot of clients who are actually doing way more work than before. And we all know that that's not sustainable. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. And, you know, the computer is always there. The next phase may be like figuring out more of these boundaries. And we're seeing companies that are addressing that. And many of my clients, mostly in the tech space, are adding extra holidays to the calendar. Friday is what they call a, you know, a wellness day or a you know, mental health day or whatever. Yes. Or even I've seen companies giving people a whole week off because I think they're seeing people are not taking vacation, right? So they're like, okay, well, now we're going to force you not to work yeah. so that you take some time off, which you just wouldn't have seen that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, right? It's just, it's a new way of working, but it, it's progress. It's cool to see. It is. It's a new way of working. And I would say like 10, 20, 30 years ago, you would have encouraged employees to take vacation because you didn't want to actually account for that time. Right. Yeah. Paid time off use on the books. Use it or lose it. Yeah, use it or lose it. And so I think the it still applies now. They would like people to take their vacation, yet they're also seeing the other impact. It's no longer a number. Uh, the fact that people aren't taking vacation, it's no longer a number. It's actually oh, wait a second, they may not actually want to stay here because they feel burnt out or they may not be able to do their best. So it's a little bit of a flip of thinking. It's more a little bit about the employee versus yeah. like, okay, take vacation, use it or lose it. Right. That's funny. It reminds me, my, my father was a high school teacher for 30 years and he almost never took any vacation and no sick days. And when he retired, he had like 350 vacation days. and sick days that he cashed in for this extra check, yes. uh, you know, which is, which was kind of cool. But anyway, you mentioned this book, the power of giving power away or giving power, away, the power of giving away power, yes. giving away power. And this idea of giving away power, I think it's a nice transition into leadership because what I'm seeing, and, and you've been doing a lot of this work, and I've run a fair amount of leadership development workshops over the years, is that leaders, I, I, I see the primary job of a leader being to enable the people around them to get their jobs done, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of leaders don't do that, or they, they back away from that because they're so afraid of giving away their power, or if I develop people too much, they'll take my job, or a lot of leaders turn into micromanagers that everybody hates because they're yes. afraid that what if I assign work and it doesn't really get done? You know, what are you seeing in the leadership space? I know you do a lot of work here and how leadership is changing and what, what we need from leaders today. Mm -hmm. I do think that a few things come to mind, Andy, I'm mean, emotional intelligence, better understanding how you feel being more self-aware and self-managing it. And then also looking around and, and 
considering the emotions of others as you interact with them, even over Zoom, it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's more difficult, but it's possible. And then building yeah. relationships. I think also some of that, and I won't make excuses for the leaders I haven't worked with, even though I've worked with over 20,000 leaders and teams and individuals coached and trained them throughout my career. There are obviously a lot of people I haven't worked with. I can't make excuses for them. Yeah. Yet some of that um, fear comes from that internal lack of self-awareness uh, and lack of mm. self-esteem. And it makes me think of another book and then I'm going to tell myself no more books, Lila, because I could just recommend for the rest of this time and the rest of this day, but the high achievers guide to happiness mm. by Vance and Carol Ann Caesar is a phenomenal resource. And it's one that I use with all of my one-on-one coaching clients and Vance Caesar, his body of work, his life passion has been understanding the high performers and their lack of happiness or the self-critical nature that they have. So I think that um, many times what's manifested is that, gosh, I give these things away or I'm fearful is actually somebody not understanding what's important to them and understanding their own fears and hesitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fear holds a lot of people back from being yeah. the great leader they can be or, or causes them to be more of a micromanager, which in my experience is the number one thing people hate and don't yes. want from their managers, right? So. The leaders, they obviously, you know, that's changing, right? And we, I think one of the biggest challenges in talent development today is this idea. We've seen it over and over again. People are good at a thing as an individual contributor, right? And you're a great programmer or a great salesperson. Yeah. So we are now going to promote you to manager. So you can manage other people and you can help them become better. Oh, and maybe yeah. you'll keep your same job too, your same quota, whatever it is, without really giving them much training or direction on how to be a good manager or leader. I'm sure you're seeing that as well. You know, what do leaders need? How can we help people become better leaders? Yes. And so that is the, um, I would say this is a problem that's been going on. I won't say for all of eternity, but I don't (laughs) think that we have had, I don't think there were better ways to evaluate people during the Victorian age, maybe in terms of management, right? It was just like, Hey, Andy seems to put widgets together the fastest. We're going to make sure he's the foreman here on the factory floor. And so what I have been doing, and this is the core of what I've been doing with um, awesomeleader.com is trying to shift that behavior in really short lessons. So under 15 Mm -hmm. minutes worth of content. And so that ability to say to somebody, Hey, Andy, you're getting promoted. You're an amazing salesperson. You're an amazing marketer. You're a great HR benefits analyst. I'm going to give you this managerial role. I'm also going to help you a little at a time because realistically you're still doing your day job, meaning Mm -hmm. you're still doing widgets, marketing, writing, coding, whatever it is. I'm going to give you the ability to learn along the way and just 15 minutes in a lesson, maybe 30 minutes a day, change some of those behaviors and get that awareness of those management fundamentals. And I think people cringe when they hear management fundamentals because they think like, oh my gosh. But many people, including some of my clients who may listen to this out there, they are in really seasoned seasoned roles. Um, They're in their 40s and 50s and they've got C's in front of their titles Mm. and they still need to understand what does it mean to manage people? What does it mean to actually set goals and give feedback? Yeah. And, and to be reminded to make time for that, right? Because you've all these demands, but what do people need? They want time. They want communication, you know, to be able to talk to them, coach them, give them advice so you can help them with their careers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you mentioned this idea of bite-sized learning. And I think we, 
you know, the idea of micro learning, bite-sized learning has definitely been trending over the last couple of years. It was becoming more popular even before COVID. And now, of course, with people doing more virtual digital work becomes more and more. How, how do you set that up? You know, what do you, what do you think makes effective training in this modern time that we're in? Yeah, a few things. So first of all, a learning in cohorts, and there's research to also back this up mm -hmm. as well as you learn with your peers. And so, of course, you were learning with your peers when you were live in a classroom, right, or live in a hotel room or conference room, wherever doing training, but to actually go through an online program and learning with your peers, being able to share insight with your peers, and then also having access to maybe just a few things that you need in the moment. I think most people would love the time to read a whole book on delegation, okay? <laughs> but like most people, Andy, are not like you and me right. and the uh, talent network, right? We don't, we don't read that stuff for fun. I mean, right. you and I read it for fun, but like most right. people don't read that for fun. Right. So what they need is they need, hey, these are delegation mistakes. Mm. Hey, these are feedback mistakes. Mm. You have 15 minutes, you have to have a tough conversation, start here. And so that bit of micro learning for people and giving people an opportunity, just like you said, to consume it in different ways. Maybe you're going to watch it. Maybe you're going to read it. Maybe you're going to listen to it. And so that is another concept that I'm really encouraging my clients. And I see more organizations um, not just the ones I'm working with embracing, which is like people learn in different ways. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean like Andy learns because like he's got a binder in front of him, but Lila sitting next to him learns by somebody speaking. It's giving you the opportunity on your time, on your schedule. Hey, maybe you watch the video. Maybe you read the transcript and just look at the deck. It really doesn't matter as long as you commit to learning again, what those delegation mistakes are, right. or what those feedback mistakes, and then starting to take that micro learning and go and like use it the next day or use it the next week. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned what are the big mistakes too, because I think for me personally, and I think for many people, we learn better from our mistakes and hearing about other people's mistakes than just here's the exact right way to do things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, tell me what not to do. And sometimes that is actually um, I feel more impactful to people because they actually are like, oh, I won't do that. It doesn't scare people away. And I remember years ago, I had an agent come to me and say, hey, you know, would you write, I've been watching your videos online and seeing stuff you're doing, would you write a book? And so I think this was like 2010 and I wrote a book proposal and it was like, you know, top 10 mistakes managers make, something like that. It wasn't mm. called something like that, but it was focusing on what not to do. And he came back and said, oh, people don't want to know what not to do. They want to know like what to do. Huh. So, um, but I think that there is a lot of incentive and people can look at it and they can be like, oh, that's me. Like, and it's yeah. sometimes quite frankly, easier to know what not to do. Yeah. Right. Of all the things I could be doing, at least I can avoid these pitfalls. Yes. Well, let, let's stay on that for leaders that are listening or people that are trying to help their leaders become better managers, become better leaders. What are some of the top pitfalls, top things not to do as a leader? Yeah. So I'll start with relationships mm. and so peer relationships. And so I consistently feel that leaders do not spend enough time nurturing their peer relationships. And so this is something I'm also, I also was guilty, guilty of. So mm. maybe this is a little bit of my emotional baggage, but they don't spend time actually getting to know their peers and getting to know the needs of their peers. They think very much like my team you know, my team, this is what's most important right. to me. They also, um, and I see this happening even to this day, they feel like their career development 
belongs to the organization versus belongs to them. And I think Andy, you have some things to say about that in your mm. book, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> but people still think that, hey, somebody else should be directing this for, for me. They, they feel that they can't admit mistakes or they can't ask mm. for help, right? They just feel like that level of vulnerability um, that's a vulnerability that's not something that a person who's a VP or a CFO or something that like, hey, I made a mistake, still feels very awkward and feels wrong to people. Whereas we know and research tells us, I don't just don't know it in my bones and in my gut, but research tells us that level of vulnerability and that level of honesty, that's the number one thing that employees want from their leaders. And I'll just, you know, even though I said I wasn't going to recommend another book, but the Leadership Challenge by Kuz and Posner, their research, they've been doing that for over 30 years. And honesty is always the number one quality people want in their leaders. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat. It's known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah, people want honesty, transparency, yes. empathy, right? Connection, understanding. Yeah. These are these are what we want from our modern leaders. Yeah, you're human just like me. And if that means that you're having, you know, and it, it started off with like the pandemic, it means, boy, you're your office is now your, your bedroom and like your bed's unmade, just like mine. And so those little things to let people know, I am like you, I make mistakes. I am nervous. I am figuring this out. And that allows, especially in this situation, people to feel closer when we are so far away from each other. I heard, I heard so often about how the pandemic and people working virtually humanize so many leaders because you see their kids and their dogs running in just like everybody else is dealing with. And you're like, oh, okay, you, you have the same challenges I do. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I encourage my clients to stop fuzzing the background mm. of the, when Zoom meetings, just because like, let people see it's still okay for them to see some of that dirty laundry, right? It continues that connection building because for yeah. some, so many organizations, they are still not even going in back into the office at this point. It doesn't matter if people right. vaccinated or not, they're just right. still at home. And so the more that you can feel like, Hey, you're just like me, the better it's going to be when we go to, I don't know, whatever 2020 is going right. to be for us in terms of working together. Physically. Yeah. The next thing. Yeah. I don't uh, know interesting. So there you go. There's your tip. If you want to become a better leader, show off your dirty laundry on zoom, it'll, it'll increase that connection and transparency. Yeah. Lila, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, getting back to this training, you mentioned cohort-based training, which I think is something a lot of people were doing before and possibly got away from in this digital world because they think, oh, we can just give everybody their, their self-directed is hot, yes. right? Learning and it will give them this LinkedIn learning catalog, you know, catalog, and they can go do learning on what they want, when they need it, this sort of on-demand model. But there is something that's missing from that. And I wonder if you could speak more about the power of cohort-based learning and why you use it. Yes, absolutely. And so 
the first thing that comes to mind is the accountability. And so mm -hmm. it's accountability among the group. So in the programs that I do with Awesome Leader, people start a six-week learning pro program managers and they start together. They um, receive accountability from the coach that's coaching them in terms of like, hey, checking in, Andy, haven't been able to log in yet. How are you doing with those lessons? Mm -hmm. So there's accountability from a coach who also leads the coaching call at the end of that week, that module with them. So you have 10 to 25 people in a group together. They're going through lessons. They've got a coaching call together with that same coach throughout those six weeks. So it's that accountability. And it's also a way for people to be able to really think about how they use the material together and to start to get to know each other and get to know people from different departments. Wow, marketing, this person, I've never met them. They're just like me. Mm -hmm. They have the same challenges. And so that what I'm really trying to convey is like, eventually in some way, we're going to go, we're not going to go back to how it was, but we're going to go back in some way. And these are relationships that I'm nurturing and building, or I'm not, I'm creating the event. I'm creating the venue for it. They yeah. are nurturing and building so right. that when they go back, Hey, Andy and Lila, you never met in person, but like now I know somebody on the third floor in marketing. Yep. Here we are. And so you are. mentioned the accountability, there's the networking and connection. Yes. I think there's also a big benefit of knowing someone is going through the journey with you, exactly. right? I'm trying to learn how to become a better leader. And for a while, I felt like I was the only one who wasn't getting it. But now I see that you're going through this same journey as well. Can we check in with each other and see, you know, support each other? Absolutely. It makes it like now that you know that there are other people, it makes it uh, the, the whole experience more approachable and easier. And going back to what we were just talking about a little while ago in terms of being human or more connected. Hey, you're just like me, right? You're struggling or you have ideas and we're more similar than different. And um, I don't know if that's the California in me or if it's the Berkeley in me, but if we could just, you know, understand that we're more alike than different. Right. Yeah. We could all just get along. We could, we could yeah, all I've, just I've, understand I've, each other. Better. I've seen that many times working with companies. There's so much power in bringing people together and letting them connect and network and learn from each other. And, you know, often people don't get out of their silos. They don't talk to people they from don't. other departments, right? They don't know yeah. what's going on. And, you know, you get someone from finance and someone from sales together and they learn a lot from each other. Exactly. Exactly. And that helps the organization. So it's not just the individual. And I think organizations are really starting to understand that and look at the numbers and how finance and uh, marketing getting to know each other is going to help retain employees and it's going to help make you more money right? It's going to help people more, be more productive. And if you're in a, a manufacturing setting, it leads to fewer workplace accidents. We can all tie it back to employee engagement. Well, Lila, this has been a really great conversation. We, we've covered a lot of ground. We talked about your background and your philosophy on learning and development. We talked about the great resignation um, being an opportunity for companies really to pivot. Um, we talked about how work is changing from the pandemic, what leaders need to be successful today, where a lot of leadership fear comes from and how it holds people back. You mentioned a couple of books, The Power of Giving Away Power, The High Achiever's Guide to Happiness. We talked about how to equip leaders to be successful, uh, trying to shift behavior in shorter lessons. And we talked about manager fundamentals, what makes effective training. And we talked about cohort-based learning, which is really important for kind of reinforcing that and really engaging people, as well as the top things not to do as a leader. So we talked a lot yeah. about uh, a lot of great stuff here, but I know you've got a lot more great content. So for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, find out more about what you're doing, uh, where's the best place for them to go? Yes, great. They can go to awesomeleader.com. I do free monthly webinars 
And there's also some great free resources there. Right now, I've got the top five conversations that new managers need to have as a free resource there when they join the newsletter. They can also go to LinkedIn and connect with me. I'm pretty easy to find because I was the first Lila using LinkedIn. So at the end of the URL, you just, just type in, or you'll be able to see me, Lila there, Lila Town. So happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. And there's an also an awesome leader LinkedIn group. And so uh, I love my number one passion is just making it easier for leaders to lead with ease. And I really think that this can be done in short bursts. So happy to give anybody, even if you're just like, hey, Lila, what's another book to read? Email me, connect with me, and I will let you know. And if we never connect again, I know that I have helped you in one small way to become a better leader. I love it. So awesomeleader.com. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. Connect with Lila on LinkedIn. And you can also find Lila in the Talent Development Think Tank membership community as well, right. as well on a regular basis, right? So thank you so much for coming on and sharing today, Lila. I really appreciate it. A lot of great value here. I hope that our listeners have gotten value as well. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate you. Hope you put some of this learning into practice and become a better leader yourself or help your leaders become leaders. Uh, thanks again for listening and tune in for our next episode, which will be my bonus Q&A session with Lila. Take care. All right. That will do it for my conversation with Lila Bullingtown. What did you think? I hope you got value out of that. It gave you some things to think about for your next leadership development programs, whatever you're putting together, and how we can develop our leaders to become more successful in today's crazy working environment. Now, I mentioned in the beginning and in the interview that Lila is a member of the Talent Development Think Tank community. And if you work in learning and development, talent development, organizational development, leadership development, or HR in general, and you don't have a place where you can go to meet with others in L&D and hear what they're working on, share your perspective and ask questions and solve real problems, this is the place to go. It's the number one place in talent development. We have over 100 really wonderful members who are kind, generous, ambitious, hardworking, and dedicated to helping each other and improving the field of talent development. You can find out more information by going to our website, tdtt.us. And when you sign up, if you use the code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, you will get 10% off. And if you've been looking for a way to support me in my journey in building this podcast over the years, joining the community is a great way to do that as well. But of course, I have created it to support you and everyone in talent development to help people connect, learn, share, and grow. Come check us out. Again, the website is tdtt.us. And if you have questions, you can always send me an email, andy at andystorch.com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love connecting with listeners, hearing your feedback, questions and ideas, as well as any questions that you might have on the Think Tank community. And I also wanted to mention that our podcast is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group is a professional services firm that is dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. You can find out more by going to their website, advantageperformance.com. You can click on solutions as well as insights. And there are tons of free resources there, including our podcast, which you can also get to by going to talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. All right. Thank you again for listening. And I will see you for our next episode, which is going to be my interview with my friend Jonathan Neary, all about the eight essentials for talent development professionals to avoid disaster. You're going to want to tune in for that one. 
Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.